Hello, TD Fantasy listeners. Jamie Eisner here telling you about the ultimate fantasy football draft experience. You've heard us talk about it on the show before. Fantasy football at sea. Think about what you were doing this past draft night. Were you just sitting on your couch? Were you stuck at the office hoping your boss didn't see you? That's no fun at all. Isn't fantasy football supposed to be fun? Why not upgrade and do your 2019 draft on a cruise to the Bahamas where you can get the best advice and party with the top fantasy analysts and former NFL players? Beach, sun, fantasy football, TD Fantasy will be there. That is a tough combo to beat. Go to fantasyfootballatsea.com for more information and learn how you can book today. It's the TD Fantasy. The TD Fantasy Podcast. The TD Fantasy Podcast. With your host, Paige Demakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. Welcome into the TD Fantasy Podcast. Paige Demakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. All back together on what should be called the Super Bowl hangover holiday because I'm officially petitioning to the government to make this a holiday because nobody should have to work after Super Bowl Sunday, other than us, because guess what? We got to talk about this game, obviously. But everybody else should be off work, so I'm going to start a petition. Uh, Jake, I want to. I want you to just give a broad. You and I were both out in Atlanta, so how was your weekend? You obviously had your dad out there getting his, getting uh, having his. Uh, I saw him with Jameis Winston. He was at Top Golf. How was how was the overall week in Atlanta? Uh, it was spectacular. I haven't done Super Bowl week like that in a long time. Uh, we had a ton of fun. Uh, Shelby, my dad, and I, we went to Top Golf. I'm pretty sure we ended up winning 10 grand for the foundation. Uh, Pat McAfee's deal. Uh, Pat McAfee's show at Top Golf. Dad had the most points when we left, and I'm pretty sure he pulled that off. So that was really cool. Uh, a couple great parties, uh, a couple really good causes. Uh, Ray Lewis is Ray Hope, Ray of Hope. Uh, 52 was really cool with the Porsche driving experience. So just a lot of fun that, you know, during the week. It's been a while, like I said, since I've done it. I, I didn't miss Atlanta traffic when I got home. That's for damn sure. Yeah, Atlanta was wild. Other than I have to shed some light on this because it was so funny for somebody who grew up in the Midwest. So Tuesday I, I fly in and it's cold. It's 40 degrees, but it's sunny and there's nothing wrong. And I take the train into the city and it's 430 on a Tuesday. And I am not exaggerating. There was nobody. There were no cars. There was nobody on the street. It was a ghost town. And I was convinced that Atlanta was the biggest dud of a big city that existed. Until I went into the hotel and found out that because there was a winter weather advisory, not only did they cancel school, they canceled work for everyone, and they got nothing. No snow. They shut down the roads. (laughs) They shut down Atlanta as a city, literally shut down because they thought that there might be a little bit of snow. And that is when I learned that I had become much tougher because I grew up in Chicago. And my God, I had, I was laughing so hard because I, I was convinced that there was nobody in Atlanta until I woke up on Wednesday morning and saw what real Atlanta is like. So, yeah, and it is a freaking nightmare is what it is. I would also be remiss. Yeah, they had that ice storm a few years ago that's now got them all freaked out that that's going to happen every time there's any precipitation and it's cold. And I'd be yeah. remiss to not talk about how much fun we had uh, Wednesday night Dick of Jaws or Thursday night at Dick of Jaws, and it was just, uh, just a blast seeing a ton of guys. Kevin Butler, one of my favorite people ever, and my kicking idol, uh, seeing him and his son Drew, Merrill Hodge, uh, taking pictures with you on the red carpet, and, and the one that you posted was absolutely perfect. Our, our <laughs> our relationship in a nutshell of us cracking up laughing. Uh, so yeah, just a ton of fun for the week. And you know what? I'm glad the week was so much fun because the game sucked. 
Yeah, I am. I, I would like. I would prefer to break down my fun of Super Bowl week over this game because there was more more anecdotes and things for me to tell you about what I did in Atlanta versus what actually happened in the football game. But I know you guys can follow me on Instagram and see what I did throughout the week. So Cheap let's let's get into this football game. Uh, obviously. It's not going to go down as one of the greatest games of all time. Although, from a defensive perspective, I did enjoy watching uh, mostly what the Patriots' defense and even what the what the Rams' defense was able to do. Uh, the pressure they were they were getting on on Tom Brady. And I know that when we broke down this game, Jamie, we all decided that if the, if the Rams were going to beat the Patriots, they were going to have to get pressure on Tom Brady. And the defense did. Everything you could possibly ask them to do against this Patriots team. If, if you would have told me when we did our show last Monday that the Rams would hold the Patriots 13 points, I, we would be sitting here today talking about Sean McVay's first of many Super Bowls and how, how great this, this turnaround was. Uh, that de- Again, that defense did enough to win the Super Bowl. Absolutely. I, period. Uh, it's just both of these offenses were just very ho-hum. I would say ho-hum for New England. The Rams were much worse than that. Uh, and we'll get into that a little bit because there are some significant concerns I have with this team on offense, and it starts with Jared Goff, and it's, this is not a one-game thing. Jared Goff, aside from one game, has been bad for two and a half months now. Yes. And it's been a problem since the second game since Cooper Cup went down. Now, I don't know if that's a coincidence I, or if it's more of like he was bound to regress anyway or that's just what pushed him over the edge. Uh, to me, there's just there are some – Massive concerns I have about this Rams offense going forward if we're trying to consider them an elite unit. I will say, for this was a boring game. I, I did not enjoy this at all. Pretty much everything until pretty much the whole game, even the half, everything about this game, everything that CBS broadcasted from 6.30 Eastern on was an eyesore. Yeah. And I tweeted that yesterday. It just was not a fun game to watch, but at least it was close. Yes. I would much rather have a bad football game that's close than a blowout. Yeah, it reminded me of, you remember when – the uh, Broncos played the Seahawks, and it was one of the worst Super Bowls because the Seahawks, I think the first play was a bad play. And from then on, it was a snap over. Yeah. And from then on out, it was never a game, and it was a complete blowout, and it was no fun to watch. This game was at least close, uh, but definitely not fun. Jake, what are your takeaways uh, from this game before we, before we get into some of the question marks going ahead? Uh, one, Belichick is the GOAT. Brady is the GOAT of players. Belichick should have been the MVP of this game. Uh, what he did defensively, really throughout the playoffs, they added extra linebackers, they faked the blitz, they dropped into the zones, and nobody they played, other than maybe Kansas City in the second half a little bit, had a freaking clue what the coverage was. Where They were the man, they were in zone, what the zone looked like, where the holes were going to be. And the Rams had zero clue all night what the hell was going on. They did that as well as stop the run, which is hard to do when you have two safeties and they just could never get the run going. I said before the game, whoever runs the ball the best is going to win this game. New England did it early. They did it late. The Rams stopped it in between. But what Bill Belichick did on that defense was absolutely freaking masterful. Brady didn't have to do much. Sony Michelle didn't have to do much. The Rams defense did enough to win this game. I thought Wade Phillips did a hell of a job. I thought John Fossil did a hell of a job. They got... They, they jumped off sides on that one uh, on the punt where they did that, but they had to delay a game first. But it was still a really nice scheme and, and set up. Uh, really, it came down to golf. And like Jamie said, since the, since the bye week, he has been god-awful. And moving forward, I'm not real sure what to expect from him. And going back to Gurley and why the best player in the NFL all season, he go back to college, guys. He's got injuries. He's had an ACL. He's got bone-on-bone. 
He's got different stuff. I don't know that his career is going to be that long. They're going to have to rest him at times, and I just don't think they could get him over that 70% mark, and C.J. Anderson was playing so well that they went with the hotter guy and the guy that was healthier. So let's get – because you brought it up, let's get into the Todd Gurley question mark here because I think I was I was staying – and Jake knows that – I was staying at the Patriots' actual hotel, which was a living nightmare, okay? It was absolutely terrible to be surrounded by not only Patriots fans but Patriots personnel the entire week. But that's another story for another day. Uh, the question mark, the media were all staying at this hotel. I overheard. I was asked. I overheard. The entire conversation all week long was what in the hell is going on with Todd Gurley? The Super Bowl did nothing to answer any of those questions because after two weeks of rest, we still, after Sean McVay came out multiple times and said, Todd Gurley is healthy. He is healthy. He is fine. He is playing. If Todd Gurley is healthy, I have no understanding of what is happening because this postseason was a huge question mark for Todd Gurley. I will not believe on any on just at all that he was not hurt. He to me, whether it's a sprained MCL, whatever it might be, he is hurt. I cannot believe that they just decided to go away from their best offensive player all season just because. So uh, to me, uh, he has to be hurt. And it wouldn't surprise me, like Jake said, he has a knee, knee injury history. He missed the final two games of the regular season. If you have a sprained MCL, it's a lot of times that's four to six weeks. So it was about three weeks between games. And he, he got, he was effective in that first playoff game, but he didn't, he was out touched by CJ Anderson. And he just doesn't, didn't even, even on some of those longer runs he had in this game, those 10, 15 yard runs, he looked like he was hobbling a little bit. Like he didn't look like he was explosive. He has to be hurt, and I, and I get that eventually they're going to say, yeah, he was hurt, but we didn't want to give the Patriots an advantage by saying that he was hurt or whatever BS they're going to say. Yeah. But he, he's, he has to be hurt. I, I, I just cannot believe that he is 100% healthy. Also, 100% healthy players, they aren't going to the bike every time they're on the sideline. They aren't <laughs> stretching every time they're out there. I mean, he's literally doing everything that you would do is that if you're banged up and you're just trying to get your muscles going to get back out there. Yeah, I think that – Jake, do you agree? Yeah, I, look, I mean, I played through injuries and not anywhere near being a running back. But if you're not 100% in that in that league at that level, it's hard to be effective. I don't give a damn how good you are. And you're trying to stay loose and you're trying to whatever. And you're taking Toradol shots and anti-inflammatories and whatever other shots you need to take to play. It is really hard to do that. And when you have C.J. Anderson playing really well and healthy through the playoffs, they didn't need him in the playoffs. Guys, I mean, go back to this. He missed the last two regular season games. And they had a bye. They played a little bit. Then he played a little bit more. Then they had another bye. And then the Super Bowl, that's a long freaking time for whatever this is. If it's an MCL, it's got to be more than just a grade two that's that four to six weeks Jamie's talking about. Most guys can come back and play at three or four. You know, I think he's got some arthritis. I think he's got some injuries. If you go back through his career at Georgia, he played a lot, but he missed games here and there. And there's something going on here. And, and we'll, you know, our show is about fantasy, right? Fantasy relevance. Unless something comes out between now and next year, I don't know how you wouldn't take Saquon Barkley over him or even Christian McCaffrey as the first couple guys because C.J. Anderson's not going anywhere now that he's on that team. They're not going to let him get out of there. Um, but, you know, it's going to, I think – I don't know that he's going to get the same workload next year. Well, see, that's an interesting question because, you know, our friend over at Scout, Adam Ronis, tweeted out last night, you know, is Todd Gurley still a first-round pick? I think that's a little bit extreme. He's I still agree. definitely a first-round pick. Right, yeah. But, you know, you're talking about the very, very tippy-top and in PPR leagues, that – Includes Saquon Barkley, that includes Ezekiel Elliott, that includes Christian McCaffrey. 
And it, depending on who you ask, I wouldn't put him quite in this tier, but that could put Alvin Kamara there. Yeah. So now you're trying to decide with the guy that was clearly going to be the number one pick in most leagues. I know some people were going to take Saquon there. He might drop all the way to four or five. Yeah. And, and yeah, and that's where that discussion usually, when you're at four or five, starts to be the wide receiver range. When yeah. you're looking at the top wide receiver, and you're going, which I don't think anybody would do here because there isn't a dominant. Like, hey, I'm going to spend all off season talking about how Antonio Brown didn't have this bad season fantasy wise <laughs> that everybody thinks he does. He yeah. was a number two wide receiver in points per game. Like, yeah. let's relax. So he's had five years of being number one, and I was number two. Like, yeah. relax. But between him and Hopkins, and you know, there, there are a lot of guys at the top there. I don't think any, I think this this year's receiver crop is going to be a little bit further down, like back half of the first round. I think you're taking probably six running backs in your top six. Yeah, if you include Kamara and you include Melvin Gordon, I think you're taking all six of those guys before you talk about a wide receiver. But Gurley's now in that like I would if I had to draft today for next year, I'm not sure I'm not taking him five. Out yeah. Of that group. So let me let me put this hypothetical out there. So what is more concerning? We never hear about any injury issues. And you have to worry about him and C.J. Anderson splitting carries, or we find out he has an injury and we know that it's going to, I don't know, cut into the first two weeks and he might be back week three or week four. What's more concerning as a fantasy owner? Because I think there's well, if, he's, if he's missing regular season time next year, that's more concerning. But if he's just, let's say, if we, the question is, is we don't find out anything, or we find out he's hurt, but he's going to get something fixed in the off season and yeah. he's not going to miss camp or whatever, it would be the first one. Yeah, because. Now all of a sudden, like you, we've seen these switch with, with running backs sometimes, where it's it, very quick. Like once the, the coaching staff kind of like likes the idea of running two guys, and there's two guys that are effective on the ground, they might go back to that. Right. And all of a sudden, you're like, if you're just trying to spend your first draft pick in fantasy on a guy, you want someone that you know is going to get 20, 25 touches a game. One hundred percent. Here's the problem, guys. They gave him the money. And he had a ton of a workload this year. They don't want that to continue because they want the longevity of his career. I I guarantee you he doesn't have the same workload he had last year. And if you go back and break it down, the reason he was the number one fantasy running back for most of those games wasn't yards or wasn't even catches. It was either scoring two touchdowns a game because they were giving it to him on the one-yard line. They were putting up so many points. If you really go down and break it down, I don't know that he was the number one guy for probably eight of those 14 games that he played in. It's going to be really interesting. I got. To, I'm going to have to have a lot of solid information before I'm not even taking David Johnson ahead of him in a whole new offense again. We didn't even mention him in those top six guys. Kareem Hunt landing somewhere else next year. Uh, I mean, there's there's a bunch of guys that have emerged. If Mark Ingram is gone from New Orleans, Alvin Kamara may be the top pick over Saquon Barkley. Um, you, you know, it's it's going to be really interesting to see. But I guarantee you, they don't give him the same workload he had like this year, like next year. Yeah, I think this is going to be a really interesting off-season discussion for us because I think probably, you know, heading into the postseason, most people, most fantasy analysts would have said there's absolutely no way that Todd Gurley's out of the top three. And now we're talking about five, six, maybe even seven if we pick some other guys. So I think this is going to be a really interesting discussion uh, for the off-season. Let's stay on the Rams, though. I want to talk about Sean McVay. Uh, because throughout the throughout the entire season and even the postseason, when everybody was trying to copycat and find Sean McVay, uh, it, it was the biggest storyline. And now the storyline is going into this: Wade Phillips called a great game, John Fossil had a great game, and Sean McVay's offense couldn't score a touchdown in the Super Bowl. And I think that that it's listen. 
I, I don't think you can discredit what Sean McVay has done over a long period of time. But in this moment, it's the criticism lays on him in this offense. And I think it's a valid question mark with this offense because I don't know about him. and I don't know about Jared Goff. And I don't know if he's, he's a guy who's going to win you a Super Bowl. There's a couple different ways to look at this. The first one is, yes, for, for in, the, in a micro single game look at this, absolutely Sean McVay and the offensive game plan deserve some criticism. Long term, nothing has changed about Sean McVay. Yes, like I, th- th- this, I agree. I know it's a Super Bowl, and I know it's the biggest of the games. I, I, I get it, and you put a lot of weight on it. But we, you also can't throw away everything we've seen from this Rams team and this Rams offense over the last couple of years because of this one game. The part that we do need to talk about, and again, we touched on it at the beginning of the show, because it's not a one-game issue, is Jared Goff. This was a guy that looked like the bust of all busts under Jeff Fisher. Sean McVay comes in. We see improvements in in this first year with McVay and, and Goff together. We see improvements from, from Goff. This year, the first half of the season, we saw a massive leap. We saw, like, be in the periphery of the MVP conversation in the first half of the season with Jared Goff. Then Cooper Cup gets hurt. They have that big offensive game where Josh Reynolds and Gerald Everett also have humongous games. And then this offense was really just girly, 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 and in the last couple of weeks, C.J. Anderson. And Goff didn't really perform all that well. He, he looked okay in one of the playoff games, but like he's had one, I would say, good game in like two months. That's concerning to me because it's not like this guy's been great his entire career and he slumped a little bit for a few weeks. We, I still, I still remember what that his rookie year was. I still remember what yeah. he was like then. So I'm not saying he's regressing back to that. What I'm saying is I'm not sold yet on Jared Goff as a top 15 quarterback in the, in the NFL right now, which is something that nobody would have said three months ago. But right now, I have a lot of concerns. So when I look at this team overall – you want to see, okay, when is Cup going to be 100%? Because it might not be till late in the season next year yeah. if he can even be, get to 100% while you're playing off of ACL reconstruction surgery. Todd Gurley is a giant question mark right now. They're still going to have to re-sign C.J. Anderson. I, I imagine they will, but who knows what that market might look like for him. Goff is a massive question mark. I mean, Brandon Cooks, just, just the mental – he has so much talent, but just – the mental blocks this guy has in big games is, is just massive to me. Uh, all of a sudden, this is a team that we thought could be setting up to go on multiple-year runs, has a lot of questions on the offensive side of the ball, and they're spending a lot of money on the other side of the ball, yeah. which is not going to last forever. So just there are a lot more questions about the Rams than I anticipate we were going to have even before the playoffs began. Yeah, I mean, the uh, the not-so-fast, way-too-early power rankings for ESPN already came out and had the Rams number one, and that was like the first thing going, oh, wow. So here's why it's not going to be a multi-year run at this. They're going to lose Sue. You're going to lose Tlaib. You're going to lose Peters. You can't afford all these guys because next year, and this is best-case scenario for the Rams, that golf played bad now because they don't have to pay him. When the quarterback gets the money, you lose five starters. They have those five starters because they have a quarterback on a rookie contract right now, but they have a ton of question marks to me going back to the original question Sean McVay's genius was shown when they transitioned from golf not playing very well into the playoffs and becoming a dominant run team the offensive line has stayed together for two years they've played a ton together without a lot of injuries they played this game without a lot of injuries and they got exposed Bill Belichick's blitz scheme 
Goff's whole thing is early in the year, he had all day because they were running on everybody and the play action game was it was just ridiculous. I mean, I, we talked about McVay dialing guys up that were so open, you could throw it in a five-yard window, not a five-inch window, and guys were scoring touchdowns. That didn't happen late, and he was shell-shocked yesterday. I'm not sure that he ever recovers from this Super Bowl. Um, I don't necessarily think it goes to McVay's genius at all, other than he got hit in the mouth by Belichick, and he didn't really know what to do because his quarterback didn't know what to do. If it was Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, some of these guys may be able to come over and grab the tablet and go, okay, here's what they're doing. We finally figured this out. Let's make some halftime adjustments and score. Andy Reid, some of these guys, they couldn't do that. Belichick was just masterful on what he threw out at them. And I don't think it really, like Jamie said, I don't think it matters at all for McVay. But I'll tell you what, if I was one of these owners that just hired uh, some of these young next McVay geniuses, I'd be a little worried about what I'm going to get now after watching that. Because these, yeah, these old guys with this experience, man, it's, I'm telling you, you, there's still a hell of a lot to be said for being there and doing that. Yeah, experience matters. And and listen, a lot of people in the NFL have hired, tried to hire the next Belichick and failed. Uh, and and Belichick has six Super Bowls. Sean McVay has none. Uh, I, I think there's and he and I'm not saying he's not going to get one, but I think there's a lot to be said about how quickly the league has tried to change its what its tune. Because guess what? That was a defensive performance on the biggest stage in the biggest game. The best players on the field yesterday were not Tom Brady and even Julian Edelman, who won MVP. Dante Hightower and that defense and, and Bill Belichick, like Stephon you said. Stephon Gilmore. Stephon Gilmore yeah. were the MVPs of that game. I'm and still it's a little tra- bitter that Stephon Gilmore didn't get MVP. I'm tra- it's a travesty game. that he did not because, get MVP. Uh, he deserved I, it. I, I, I put some money down on that, plus 15000 Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, he deserved it, Jamie. He, just <laughs> yeah, he absolutely it. did. I mean, if, if you talk about who impact the game more in that game, Stephon Gilmore mm-hmm. was the number one impact player on that team. Forced, and- forced the fumble in that game. Yeah, the interception. And yeah, like it, it's, you know, you, that we're, we don't talk about it. We're not, we're not talking about it enough today, but I imagine we're going to talk about this a lot in the years down the road. The Devin McCourty pass breakup in the back of the end zone because yeah. Goff cannot just wasn't paying attention quickly enough. Yeah. I mean, and threw, a that, duck, and threw a duck when he did throw it. He threw an absolute duck, which gave McCourty time yeah. to go break it off and break off his guy, which he wasn't even supposed to be back there. This this whole game is markedly different if that ball is if that ball is thrown on time and caught. Yeah, that's a great that's a great that's a great point, Jamie. Because the first twelve weeks of the season, that's a wide open touchdown that McVay dialed up against. He finally got the scheme right, and that was a wide open touchdown that Golf didn't throw early enough, and then threw a duck and it got broken up. You don't get that open in the NFL. And he was, and it changed the game, and they couldn't execute it. It was like the perfect storm. The only way that pass is not completed is if you, you see it late, and then you throw an absolute just, like, rainbow there. Like, just like – it's just, again, this whole game is different because then it's 10-3, Rams. And all of a sudden, this is a, whole, this is a massively different game. The Patriots may not be able to establish the run like they did in the fourth quarter. Just a lot of things change at that point. Yeah, I think the one of the off-season discussions that we should that we're going to have on the podcast is just kind of go team by team and evaluate the roster, the cap space, what what they need to do in the draft. Um, it's a great off-season discussion because a lot of these teams, obviously, we're talking about the Rams specifically, but I think I think if I was any of the teams that just tried to hire the next Sean McVay, I'd be a little worried because I think that I think that this proved to you still that. 
defense can win championships because Tom Brady didn't play a good game. He didn't throw – I mean, he didn't – this is one of the probably his worst performances in a Super Bowl. He, didn't, he did a barely nothing in this football game. Uh, and, and we'll get to that because I want to talk about – we've talked about the Rams a lot. I want to talk about the Patriots. Uh, one, we're going to know in the next week and a half uh, to two weeks whether or not Gronkowski – is going to retire. Uh, he still had a pretty good performance, probably one of his best performances considering this season wasn't a great season for Gronkowski. But now we're talking about multiple years in a row where he's talked about retirement. Um, so I want your opinion, guys, leaning one way or the other. Do you think Gronkowski is going to come back and play next season? No, I think he's done. I think he realized, and why he's talking about it now is is uh, what, what we saw the second half, and Jamie talked about it, a bunch of fantasy relevance going in. But when my dad had them in week 16, against the Bills and just said he just looks like a shell of himself. He looks like a 60-year-old man getting off the bench. He's going out and playing. Now, I told you he was going to make a play in the Super Bowl. He's still Gronk. Him and Brady still have that chemistry. But I just I just don't think – unless he wants to come back and be a run-blocking Dwayne Allen part of that offense, which is not Gronk, I can't imagine he wants to beat his body up for that. Uh, I just – I don't think he's coming back. I think he's done. I think he's going to ride off with this one and be a first ballot Hall of Famer and just be done with, with what he is and have the body that he has left. Because if he comes back and has a couple more big injuries or deals, I mean, you're talking about back stuff, elbow stuff, knee stuff. He's had some major stuff that he's going to deal with the rest of his life. I think he's done. Yeah, I'm starting to lean that way. I, I, if he's not done, I think it's one more year. And, and I think if he had to make the decision today, I bet he would retire. But I imagine there will be a lot of people that get in his ear in the next week or two that try to convince him otherwise. I think the biggest difference, too, is one, obviously his body's beat up. He's explaining. Yeah. He did a very good job of explaining it at Super Bowl Media Day. So if you did have a chance to go see that, go look it up of explaining you know, some of the things that we don't see yeah. that goes into, again, into a week. You know, Jake has talked about those before. I also think he has so many opportunities now outside of football. I mean, like he's a big pro wrestling fan. He showed up at WrestleMania a couple years ago. WWE has come out and openly said this week that there is room for Gronk if he wants to to make that transition, like Ronda Rousey made from UFC to WWE. And he will make a lot of money. And other football players have done. Usually not that successful. Usually they were – usually they got hurt earlier in early in their careers – and that's why guys like The Rock, guys like Roman Reigns, guys like Bill Goldberg, they played football, but they got either hurt late in their college careers or early in their NFL careers, Brock Lesnar, and then you know, and then went over. Uh, but that opportunity is there. There are going to be movie opportunities. They're going to be, I mean, if you don't think of a place like Barstool Sports, you know, yeah. wherever you think about them one way or the other, I'm not a fan of theirs. But he's going to have an opportunity to go there. I mean, I was joking with a friend that I would pay big money if there was like an alternate red zone broadcast that has Gronkowski and Pat McAfee on it. Oh, I would, yeah. I would pay real good money to watch NFL Sunday with those two commentating on it. Absolutely. Uh, you know, so there are going to be a lot of opportunities for him outside the NFL where he can still make some good money. He can still get the spotlight and he doesn't have to beat up his body. But again, as any former athlete has always told us, it's not the same. Yeah. It's just, it's not the same rush. It's not, it's not the same adrenaline. So if it's not this year, I, I think we're dealing with we're going to see maybe one more year of Gronk. Yeah, I think it. I think he does. I'm, I'm starting to lean that he's going to walk away, uh, just because of the way this season kind of felt like a last, a last gasp of air from all from all of them in a way, um, a last real push of this manufactured motivation underdog BS that they came up with throughout the season, and, and I think that Gronkowski. I think he's going to have to really talk about quality of life. And, and I, and I think that 
I hope that he listens to some of the former players that have dealt with major injuries because he has he is a first ballot Hall of Famer. He's won Super Bowls. He's been the best tight end in the league. And I think there's when you talk about his outlook on on life and he and he obviously loves living. He loves doing a lot of things. He's got a lot of interests. I, I hope that he takes a serious look at you know one more major injury could really impact his life. And I hope that I, I hope for his sake he walks away so he can just enjoy his life and and be you know be full Gronk for all of us. And I would love to pay for that red zone channel with him and Pat McAfee. That sounds amazing. Uh, the last thing I want to ask you guys about here. Uh, is the Patriots, when we look at them now and we evaluate them going into next season, we obviously have the Gronkowski question mark. We have some other question marks, but we have a young Sony Michelle. The running game looked like it finally was probably the best version of a running game we've seen under Tom Brady. But Tom Brady didn't have a great season. Uh, I know that n- nobody's talking about that because everyone's doing and, and I get it. Tom Brady's earned the right to be Tom Brady in this week. But Tom Brady didn't win that Super Bowl. And Tom Brady didn't have uh, – there was a massive drop-off from what he did last year to what he did this year. From a fantasy perspective, uh, they were 3-5 and five on the road. I mean, just overall, the Patriots were not as good as they usually this are. This was the least talented Patriots Super Bowl team. Yes, 100%. Maybe since the first one. By yes. far. I, I, it, it, yeah, like the first one I think is in the conversation, but I think this is by far the, the – least talented Patriots team that's ever made a Super Bowl. Yeah, so when you have, so when we evaluate that going forward, I mean, I, I I hate asking the Tom Brady question mark, but this was the first year where we had a significant drop-off from what Tom Brady's numbers were uh, than in previous years where he's put up big numbers and, and, and people are asking the question whether or not he's done. So he has been regressing over the last several years. Yeah. The thing is, is he's regressing from a point so high, and he isn't a quarterback that makes a ton of mistakes. Yeah. So his floor is higher than most. No, he is not the game-changing MVP he was even a few years ago. But he is still one of the 15 best quarterbacks in football just by rolling out of bed. Yeah. And as long as he's healthy. And he has the ability to have these peak games because you go back to the NFC Championship game where he won them that game. I know, I know he wasn't a big part of that last drive when they just were able to run for what felt like 15 yards of carry. No, he won them that game. But he won them that game. And he has the ability to have three, four, five of those performances every year. To me, it's uh, Tom Brady isn't done. He is not going to be the, the MVP he was before. He's not going to be a guy that you're going to think about throwing 40 touchdowns, 45 touchdowns in the regular season anymore. But he's still a quarterback that has the capability of winning a Super Bowl with a team around him. The question is always going to be, what is the competition around him looking like? There's nobody in the AFC that's going to challenge them next year. The Steelers have a lot of question marks. Until the Chargers actually freaking do it, as talented as they are, I just they have to do it. So their big challenges is KC, and then everything gets just kumbaya on Pittsburgh all of a sudden, and we forget about the entire offseason, which I don't think is going to happen. Yeah. Those are their biggest competitions. And when you have a quarterback that has the ability to have MVP caliber games two, three, four times a year with the playoff pedigree, the coaching that they have, Sony Michelle running back, and all the things that they have there, they're going to be in contention again next season. Yeah. All, all really good points. I want to point to the reason that Brady's not going anywhere and why he is exceptional. We talked about last week. The chip on his shoulder, the competitive edge, Tom Brady in the locker room, is still MVP elite. What he does on Sundays is what he needs to do. AFC Championship, perfect example. He won them that game. He didn't have to do a hell of a lot yesterday. 
And I'm really toward I'm 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 really torn on this still, but I'm really leaning towards Belichick being more responsible for this dynasty than Brady. Because the defense is always where it needs to be when they get to the playoffs in these freaking big games, and he ain't got nothing to do with that. They are still going to be in the hunt as long as Bill Belichick is coaching. I don't care who's playing quarterback. But if you got Tom Brady in the locker room with a competitive edge and the way that he gets these guys ready and whatever needs to be done because his work ethic as the superstar is still far superior to anybody on that team. And you have Julian Edelman who follows him around like a puppy dog. They became best friends. And his work ethic is the same. And Belichick's still scheming it up. They're going to be in every damn game, and they're going to win a lot of games until those two aren't together anymore. And if Belichick's still there, I think they're still winning with a lot of damn games, whether Brady's there or not. But what he does in the offseason, what he does during the week to get ready, the competitive fire, that translates to everyone on this team. And I still don't think you could put a value on that. He's still a top 10, top 15 quarterback. Yes, when he needs to be, he proved an AFC championship. He can still light it up and be game. Now, if Josh Gordon doesn't get hurt, and Gronk, or whatever his deal was, and Gronk's not... 80%, 80%, if he's 100%, when Edelman came back, that offense all of a sudden took fire. and It was Brady yeah. throwing it. They still have the ability to do that. What they, I think they like to do is run it, play action it, Brady not have to throw it 50 times, throw it 35 times. The defense plays really well, and they scheme people up. If they do that, they're going to be a top three team in the AFC for years to come still, and I don't think they're that damn good. I mean, my, what, I, what I took away from yesterday is, no matter what of the 32 teams you're a fan of or you're a part of, you ought to feel pretty good going in 2019 that it's pretty damn wide open. You have some yeah. teams at the top that are better, but they're all one injury away from being at the bottom. There's a big offseason to come. My favorite part of this show is when, what Paige said, we break down salary caps and who needs what, who's going to move around, what team. You can turn this around in the NFL quick with the right decisions. And I think, to me, it is wide open. The Rams got issues. The Chiefs still got defensive issues. The Saints got issues. They got salary cap stuff. They got to move people around. There's a bunch of teams. We already talked about, Jamie talked about Steelers, dysfunctional locker room, everything else. I think there's going to be a bunch of teams next year that we're talking about. Like, and we're talking about our dark horse show of who's going to come out of what division. There's going to be five or six teams that we're talking about have the talent to go, okay, if they get hot and stay healthy, they can win the whole damn thing, which to me is what the NFL wants is so exciting about this. I did not take away yesterday that the two best teams got even got to the Super Bowl or that showed that they're going to be the best teams moving forward. Yeah, I think that's a great point because I, I think going into next year, it's, it's so open. Every team at the top has so many major question marks. Yeah. That it's like there are a few teams I think you can rule out like right away. But other than that, I mean, everybody else is going to kind of be in that contention. And, and you look at, if you look at New England here, and they do need another playmaker, a playmaking pass catcher in that yeah, offense somewhere. Know. Whether Grant comes back or not, they still need that piece. Um, I know he's been a trendy name, and I think he's going to get talked up into the middle of the first round by the time we get to the draft. But add a player like Hollywood Brown in this yeah, offense, and, sure. and, and that what can open up the game for them. I know they have, like, Josh Gordon's rights. No, you're never going to ever be able to depend on Josh Gordon. Whether he comes back or not, that, that cannot be part of – if you get him, great. That's an awesome bonus. You can never depend on him. Getting a, another playmaker on that offense, particularly on the outside that can stretch the field a bit, you're fine in the middle. Especially if Gronk comes back – with Edelman and Gronk working the team, you're fine. Yeah. You just need somebody else out there. It's not Chris Hogan. Uh, it wasn't no. – you know, it turned out not to be – and I never know what happens because of injuries, but it wasn't Malcolm Mitchell from a couple years ago. Like you need another piece on that offense, and I think that could really help Brady a bunch. And – but just overall, and, and to Jake's point, going back to Brady, he's still – his mind is as sharp as ever. Yeah. I know his body isn't the same as it was 15 years ago. For sure. 
but he's mentally as strong as he's ever been. Mm-hmm. And again, Josh McDaniels is still there. Yeah. going to be there another year. He didn't take another head coaching job. Belichick's still going to be there. I'm not worried about Brian Flores leaving at all. This is a Belichick defense period. Yeah. Story. Uh, it, to, to me, it's just that there, there are a lot of open contenders in the AFC. There really are. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, to Jamie, to your point, we were talking about we could rule a couple of them out. I mean, the, one of the first ones that come to mind is the Jets. But the Jets are 110 million under the cap. If they sign Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown, we ain't talking about them being counted out. No. That, and I mean, that's like, the- there's so much that could change this offseason. As much as I can remember ever, there's some teams that could go, okay, screw it, let's roll the dice, can risk it all, and let's see what happens. I mean, that it's going to be awesome. Yeah, there's the, the best part of this is we get to evaluate the teams now, and we'll do that now, looking, projecting out. We'll talk about some free agents that make sense for them. We'll talk about the yeah. salary cap. We'll talk about positions of need in the draft. And then after the draft happens and after some of these things starts to shake out, we get to reevaluate the teams and go, okay, now let's take a look at these teams and see what they look like after two and a half months of some moves being made and, and, and these teams going into the draft. This is the fun time. These next oh, yeah. few months are the fun time heading into the draft. And just like looking at the AFC just very briefly, I'm still not ready. I have to see what happens. I'm still not ready to pick any other team in the AFC East to go above 500. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, there's still a ways to go there. But there are three teams in the, in the AFC North. You have Baltimore, you have Pittsburgh, and you have Cleveland. Yeah. Cleveland's going to get over. I'm telling you already, Cleveland's going to be overrated going to next year, but that doesn't mean they're not a good team. Yeah. Right? They're a good team. They're probably a wild card contender. They're not a Super Bowl contender. Don't at me, Cleveland Browns fans. Like, it, it, it takes <laughs> some time to get to that point. Uh, again, Houston, do, does Deshaun Watson then another, again, another season removed from ACL surgery? Does he show improvement? Does that, does that team finally do something? The Colts. Yeah. Okay, now Andrew Luckus has a full year back under his belt. That's a good point. What do they do there? What that. can they add on that side of the ball? Uh, again, I don't think they're going to be good, but Jacksonville should have been in the Super Bowl last year. For sure. So that's a team you can't quite, I cannot quite yet. Tennessee just marked down for nine and seven. They'll be, they'll board their way to nine and seven like they always do. <laughs> Uh, but then again, you got KC and you got the Chargers. I mean, so you you got a number of these teams where it's like I'm not ready to say that one of those one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Those are eight teams I named in the AFC, not including Jacksonville. That could come out of the AFC, whether it's New England, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Houston, Indy, KC, the Chargers. Yeah, it's a lot of. Good Would teams. you be shocked if one of those eight teams? No, no, and that's what's exciting about it. Yeah, no, that's that's very the exciting. The talent levels aren't that far apart on those teams. No, it, it's not. As Jake said, when Jake and I have said in previous podcasts before, the talent discrepancy between all the NFL teams is very little. The, from the best team to the worst team, there's not that much difference. And the biggest part of it is, and as Jake mentioned earlier, staying healthy throughout an entire season has a big, big impact on how your team does and making a long postseason run. Uh I think you you said quickly, and I want to just jokingly talk about this, in that commercial with all the NFL legends and current NFL players, Tom Brady... I girl had more rushing yards in that commercial. <laughs> oh, my God. Tom Brady hands all five of his rings to Baker Mayfield, and my first thought was, dear God, Cleveland fans are going... The hype train for Cleveland next season is going to be through the freaking roof. I love that team. But I also, again, this is a 10-win team yeah. that people are going to talk about as a 12- or 13-win team that should win the division or win the Super Bowl. I can see it happening already. Like I said, that's my only concern. Of like, this is a good team. They're not a great team yet. Yeah. They're a playoff team. They're not a Super Bowl team. We also saw, like, what, six games of Baker Mayfield? Seven games? No, we saw a little bit more than that. But a half a season? Still, yeah. it's like – it's tough because they, they, Browns fans have seen losing for so long. I know. I'm, not, I'm not trying to, like – 
knock their hopes down. Guys, but you, you, also guys, have- you guys are missing one big point of the Browns. They fired their entire staff other than promoting Freddie Kitchens to head coach. What is that defense yep. going to look like? Greg Williams is pretty damn good at his job. He's now with the Jets. What are, what are the rest of the guys that made that offense tick for Freddie are all gone? Where are they? How is it going to even look? Other than you now have a head coach that's calling plays who's never done it. Who's at, there's a lot of question marks to me. Is not the talent in the Baker Mayfield and what we saw at the end of the season. Is how do you get back to preparing for that from a staff point of view when you promote Freddie Kitchens and you don't have, you don't know what the rest of the staff's even going to look like? Absolutely. And again, to me, best case scenario, like pie in the sky, best case scenario, they go four and two in the division. Yeah, like, Steve, Steve the- Wilkes is not Greg Williams on that defensive side of the ball, by the way. Yeah. So like, but again, it's a good team. It's just I'm not. They're going to get annoyed about like everybody. I, I can see today the USA Today, but which is all which predictions are always hilariously wrong. I'm like the Browns are the next Browns Super Bowl. I could just see it already. I, I just people are going to need to temper expectations because the Browns are going to win ten games next year, and people are going to be disappointed, and they shouldn't be. Yeah, no. You just ought to remember- be a static. You went to the playoffs one time since you've been back in the NFL, and it was two thousand what one two. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure we know who the offensive coordinator was in the, on that team. Yeah, we do. We uh, shout out to, shout out to our guy, uh, Jake. Any parting thoughts on Super Bowl? Uh, we will next, next podcast, we're going to get into off season stuff. Uh, so I want to wrap up any thoughts you have on, on the game that we just watched. Yeah. My thoughts are where the hell did October, November, and December go? We're already talking about the Super Bowl being over with. I can't believe we're here. Um, you know, I, everybody was bored by the game. It sucked. Uh, if you really like football and you look at it from a coaching point of view and an organizational point of view, and I, and I said the whole, I picked against them four weeks in a row. You just cannot discount what Bill Belichick does as a GM and a head coach. It's still – that team's not that good. I still watched that yesterday. I watched all their playoff games, and it still makes no sense to what my eyes see, which makes me love it even more because we don't see what goes on in during the week and all of the stuff that goes into these game plans, which were just magnificent and masterful for them to pull off another Super Bowl. When To me, they're not anywhere near good enough to do it. It's just I, you can't give enough kudos to Bill Belichick and that coaching staff for what they did and putting those guys in a place to succeed. And, and I'm still pissed off that the uh, that the Saints didn't get there. I think the Saints would have been a better matchup. I think the Saints-Chiefs would have been a hell of a lot more fun to watch. But uh, going into next year, I'm, I'm really excited because I think it's wide open. And, and just recapping that game, man, Belichick was just amazing to me. Yeah, and I think it goes back to what we talked about a couple weeks ago, where it's coaching matters. And I know a lot of times we, it, especially on, for a fantasy show, it's very easy just to evaluate the players in the situation and look at just talent level of one team, talent level of another team, and whoever's more talented wins. But uh, you got to give coaches a lot of credit for what they're doing, and you got to look at guys like Bill Belichick, who just year in and year out, like he's he is the greatest coach in any sport that I've ever seen. Yeah, in my Period. lifetime. Period. Like period. Yep. And, and there's no close second. I don't even know where I would go from that point. Yeah. Uh, what, what that team is able to do offensively, defensively, because, look, we talked about the Rams' struggles. And there was a reason why we spent the first 15 minutes of the show talking about the Rams' struggles. Because we did not expect that offense to look like this. No. We didn't expect a Sean McVay-led offense to have three points. Sean McVay was very candid in his postgame comments. I was outcoached. He was outcoached. But you know what? There's no shame in being outcoached by Bill Belichick because everybody <laughs> is outcoached by Bill Belichick. Yeah. And I think this was the perfect example of the Patriots were not the most talented team in this game. They were not the most talented team in the AFC Championship game. They were not the most talented team in the AFC Divisional Round. They beat three teams that were on paper better than them. Why? Not? It's not just the Patriots' mystique. The mystique is that they don't make mistakes. 
and they game plan extremely well. And I talked about this on our show a couple weeks ago. You give Bill Belichick two weeks to game plan for you, you better have a hell of a game plan to respond to that because history has shown that those elite upper echelon coaches with extra time win at a stupid high pace. Yeah. A stupid high pace. Yeah, and I think my my parting thoughts here are don't – I know we talked about the Rams' struggles, but if you're a Rams fan, you can't be too too upset because, like Jamie said, getting out coached by the GOAT is nothing to to lick your wounds about. Bill Belichick is unquestionably the greatest coach of all time, and he put on a masterful performance from the defensive side of the football. Uh, Listen, Wade Phillips, I want to give a shout-out to because he he called – he had a hell of a game plan for that game. Uh, that defense showed out Aaron Donald, that team looked really good on that side of the football, as good as you could possibly ask them to have against Tom Brady and, and that side of the football. And my last thing is, as you all know, if you follow me on Twitter, my shtick is being petty. Uh, I go by petty page. So new Orleans, I want to give a shout out to you. You had an anti Super Bowl party. Bourbon street was is always lit, but it was wild on Super Bowl Sunday. They were throwing an anti-Super Bowl, anti-Roger Goodell party, and I am here for the New Orleans Saints revenge tour next season because I think that when you've seen what it has, whether it's Drew Brees, he talked about it all Radio Row Week, Sean Payton, Benjamin Watson, some of the players – I am here for their pettiness. I am here for their revenge tour. And I'm looking forward to all of the T-shirts and all of the mockery of the NFL referees because guess what? It's deserved and we need some changes. Uh, Jake, how can everybody follow you on social media? Jake B. Arians on Twitter and Jake Arians on Instagram. Jamie? Follow me at Jamie Eisner on Instagram and at Jamie Eisner on Twitter. And guys, you can follow me at the underscore sports page with an eye on both Twitter and Instagram. And be sure to check out at TD Fantasy underscore on both Twitter and Instagram as well. Leave us a review. Give us a rating on iTunes. We super appreciate it. Thank you for hanging with us all football season, but we're not going anywhere because football is a 12-month sport. We are in the official offseason, the entertainment season, because now we get to speculate and have some fun, and the NFL draft's coming soon. One last point I want to throw on you before the end of the show, just because we've talked, there's been a big theme on these shows the last month, and so it's finding the next Sean McVay, finding those guys, and Jake pounding sits on the table to remind you that those guys don't grow on trees. Um, uh, The one guy that just watch out for in a few years, because if you want to talk about a guy that's got pedigree in the league that is, is trying to work his way up, West Phillips, just keep that name in mind because if you're looking for the formula of how the guys like Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay got there, if West Phillips continues to have success and grows in his NFL career, you're talking about a guy that's going to get head coaching looks four or five years down the road. He's Ooh. Wade Phillips' son, by the way, if he didn't get the and last bu- And Bum Phillips' grandson, by the way. Yeah, that's uh... – Oh, and by the way, coached on the same staff as Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay yes. uh, in Washington briefly. So – just, again, if you're looking for the Ooh, formula, I like, I like that one, Jamie. that's a name to keep an eye out for. Uh, maybe somebody, maybe uh, NFL teams need to consult Jamie for their next coaching hires before they start hiring people that are uh, below 500 and never have no NFL coaching experience. That's my last shot of the podcast. <laughs> Guys, we will talk to you on Wednesday. Thank you for joining us for the TD Fantasy Podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. 
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.